Welcome to the Wonder Learn Show. I'm your host, Franz Tapon. In this mini episode, I have Gary Arndt, the host of the Everything Everywhere Daily Podcast. If this is episode number three with Gary, it's going to be about China and Taiwan. If it's episode number four, it's about Israel and Gaza. If it's episode number five, it's about the United States election and his predictions. And if it's episode number six, the last episode with Gary, it will be about Bitcoin. I'm making these short episodes so that I can focus on my book. Remember to go to patreon.com slash ftapon to get the latest chapter that I'm working on. And now, Gary Art. What do you think China's doing when they're looking at how the Ukraine war went and are they and they're still kind of eyeing Taiwan? What's their calculus? Do you think that they're gonna go for it in this decade? No, no they will not. And the reason is that's an amphibious landing. And it's almost the opposite of what the Allies did in D-Day. In D-Day, you knew where they were coming from, England, southern England, in fact. Uh, but you didn't know where they were going to land. They had an entire continent where they could land. In the case of Taiwan, it's the opposite. They have an entire continent trying to attack a small island. So it doesn't matter where they're coming from. You know exactly where they're going to be landing because there's only so many places you can land on the island of Taiwan. And we have satellites. We know when this is going to happen. The Germans didn't know when D-Day was going to happen. Uh, their intelligence wasn't that good. They had best had reconnaissance flights that you could you could shoot down. We'll know weeks or months in advance if, if uh, China's trying something. And they're going to have a defensive position where one rocket could take out a ship and you know a huge part of your landing force. And also remember, China, outside of maybe a very small handful of very old officers, who fought against Vietnam in 1979 has no one in the entire red army has any combat experience, none. And you can talk about the, the amount of money that the United States military spends on things, but what you do have is a lot of experience, different places around the world, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan. Um, you have a, a non-commissioned officer corps, an officer corps where people have, have done these things. China has none of that. And so I think you would probably, and, and there is a great deal, probably not as much, but there's a great deal of corruption in the Red Army as well. Uh, there are some great documentaries online that show like, you know, high-ranking uh, Chinese generals and the houses they live in and, you know, these absurd lifestyles that should not be possible given their job. So I think that they would have a very difficult time. The only reason something like this could happen is that uh, Xi Jinping is just so isolated from reality that no one's telling him the truth no one wants to be on his bad side that he somehow thinks that this is a, a good idea that is a possibility but I, I can in no way see how this would possibly work you know Taiwanese have been preparing for this day for decades and it, it would it would be a slaughter uh, I think of, of Chinese troops it just would not work well. And the, China has a big navy on paper, but their navy is primarily, it's not a blue water navy. It's primarily designed to operate near the coast of China. So, you know, I think they could, there are some islands that Taiwan controls between China and Taiwan. I think China could certainly take those islands over. I don't know what it gets them. Uh, but as for taking the main island of, of Taiwan itself, I, I don't foresee that happening. That is actually, that would be extremely difficult to do. And China is highly dependent on the rest of the world for uh, energy and resources. They don't produce very much oil or gas. 
And most of it comes from the Persian Gulf. That's where they're getting most of it. That would be very easy to blockade. Very easy. There's multiple points where that could be done, whether it's the Strait of Hormuz or the Strait of Malacca. Um, and you could, you know, very easily, you know, kind of grind China to a halt. They're very export dependent. And who are they exporting to? The United States and Western Europe. If we stopped importing their stuff, they're, you know, uh, so it, it would it would cause a lot of problems. The whole Taiwan issue is one of face saving. You know, they have to keep spouting the line that, you know, there's one China. And we also forget that's the Taiwanese position, too, that there's only one China. It, it's just that they think it's their China. And uh, I, in a ways, also, this is very similar to uh, what's happening in uh, with Palestinians. For decades, Arab countries have to say, oh, you know, uh, Palestine, get rid of Israel. They don't do anything about it, right? It's just, it's something that they can say and they can rally against Israel and it, it gives them uh, something useful domestically. But when a million, you know, or hundreds of thousands of Palestinians are killed in Syria by Assad, nobody says anything. Um, so it, it's something that is a useful rallying cry and... Like, you know, there's a lot of things out there that people love to rally against. And when those problems are solved, then that, you know, that thing goes away. So it's kind of like the right for decades. They were against Roe versus Wade. When the Supreme Court actually overturned Roe versus Wade, they lost one of the biggest things they had to rally their base. And then what happened is you're seeing in several states now where when this has come up on a, a ballot um, as a referendum, it has won every time so far. And it's really, you know, hurt them when they lost the, the one thing that they can rally against. So I think the Palestinian issue is like that for the Arabs and the Taiwan issue is like that for China. In the 22nd century, do people, do you think historians will look back and call the 21st century the century of China or the century of somebody else or a multipolar world or still the U.S. century? I should say it depends what happened. You know, we're only in the, the, the third decade of this century and there's a lot that could happen. And I think that the, the, the regression that China has made is all due to a single person. It's all due to the fact that they went from being a more, I won't, I'm not going to, you know, they weren't a democracy or anything, but they became more open. Uh, they had a regular change in leadership. And uh, then Xi Jinping took over and he started instituting like Xi Jinping thought like he was trying to be a second Mao or something. And uh, they've gone backwards. You know, their economy's gone backwards. Um, China is dropping in population rapidly, extremely rapidly. And it doesn't just mean less people. It means an older population as well, uh, which is usually not as dynamic. So no, I don't, it was, it, it's a, it's a, it's a century where I think China definitely, this is like the early 19th century was for America. Um, but you know, if we had a dictator that appeared in, you know, the 1840s, and it could have stopped a lot of the progress that the United States made. So, I mean, it still remains to be seen if they get rid of him or he dies and, you know, someone comes in and some reformer replaces him, it could radically change. So it's still kind of too early, but if it's just a, if we just take, make a linear extrapolation of where things are today, I would say no.